Hi everyone! Before we start the show, I wanted to ask that if you like what we're doing here, you might consider donating to keep it moving onward and upward. We have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbond and a PayPal at paypal.me backslash Hegelbond. $5 at Patreon will get you bonus episodes, but even a dollar helps more than you can imagine because no cartridge is funded by listeners like you. Thank you. Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Higglebond on Twitter, and uh, I have with me Ethan Hammerman at Ethan Ham on uh, on Twitter, H A M M. And I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you introduce yourself because you, you told me something interesting before we started. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me on this. I love the podcast, yeah. and I love you. So this is great. Wow. Um, well, this is nice. Back at you. Yeah, back at you. But no, it's funny because uh, when. Of course, the first reason I knew you is because of the Stephen A. tweet, the legendary, <laughs> the legendary Stephen A. tweet. And then I realized you like games, and so I'm the person who bugged you to to play certain games. And specifically, the two games I bugged you to play were Undertale and Night in the Woods, <laughs> which ended up becoming two of your most popular games in your podcast. So I think that I'm really the reason why no cartridge actually is a thing. So you 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 honestly might be because I mean <laughs> if if it was just Undertale I'd say well you know I might have played Undertale at some point and you know, one of my most popular episodes sure but I I don't know if the podcast would have ever taken off had it not been for the Night in the Woods episodes uh so cuz I mean that that probably got me I would say like 60% of the way there the, at, at those bumps it was like okay I can do this podcast this is a real thing so um yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, it's nice to have a uh, a backup career to academia, and uh, I owe it all to you. For sure. And Night in the Woods <laughs> is everyone who listens to this podcast knows Night in the Woods is dope. But I'm going to plug one more game that if people haven't played yet, they need to play. Yes. Because I told you that you have to play this. It's called Pyre. It's made by Supergiant. They made Bastion and Transistor, and it's really good. And hopefully. Next time I'm on this podcast in the, in the distant future, that's the game that we're talking about because that game is dope. So hopefully, yeah, you definitely. play that game as well. But that's my mini plug. I would really like to actually. I uh, Pyre Pyre's been on my list. Uh, for one reason that I didn't play it initially was because I am an idiot and I got confused uh, between it and Fury F U R I. Um, also, a game I wanted to play and haven't played yet, but like. Those two games just merged in my mind, so I kind of forgot that Pyre existed for a while. Um, but it looks really cool. Like I, I love, I love that they chose uh, to go a different route because obviously, like there's some similarities between uh, uh, Bastion and Transistor. Uh, you know, they're, they're different games, but Pyre just seems completely different. So, yeah, it's NBA Jam with really, really good art and an actual story. <laughs> it's just. Cool. And and one thing I love about it is, you know, I, I mean, I'm a sports gamer sometimes too. So one of my favorite parts about playing like a Madden or NBA is the roster management, which is kind of nerdy, uh-huh. but it's fun to be like the GM of your own team. And in Pyre, you really are the GM of your squad. And there are po- I don't want to spoil too much of the game, but there really are tough decisions you have to make about certain players and how you use them. And mm. it really, it, first of all, it changes the entire dynamic of the game, but also uh, it, it's just really cool. And you have actual rivalries. There are certain other teams that are consistent throughout the game that follow you around. It's just, cool. it's one of the best fictional sports league games I've played since like blitz the league actually, because wow. I mean, I don't know if you ever played blitz the league, but they had this entire fake football league. And it, I, players throughout I'm not so that's crazy. And players throughout the story mode would like elevate to different teams, and they would follow you as you do your career mode. And there was relegation and promotion. It's just a really well 
constructed fictional sports league, and I'm a sucker for that. So, uh, yeah, I hire, play it. It's a really good game. All right, well, I'm incredibly sold right now. Uh, I'm going to buy that after we get off the phone. Uh, so <laughs> you, you got me. This is uh, this will be my third most popular podcast when I have you back on for Pyre. Um, or maybe my f- most popular podcast. I don't know where it's going to slot, but one of the top three. Um, that's, that's the Ethan promise. Uh, so the reason I haven't had you on before, though, I mean, we've been friends for a while. We've been chatting about new cartridge for a while. But the reason I haven't had you on before is actually because um, you were under uh, several non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> Uh, so uh, to explain that, can you explain sort of your previous career, uh, which you just sort of transitioned from and are transitioning to a new one tomorrow? Yeah. So, um, I am transitioning a little bit, but I, my previous job, I worked for an agency, a media agency, and all of our clients were gaming companies. So I was the one responsible for planning and executing and implementing media plans for marketing plans for pretty much all of the major games that were coming out over the past two years. Uh, I don't want to get too into detail in terms of which publishers they were, but they were AAA. They were pretty big ones and small ones. There were a lot of them. Uh, And all of them were great to work with. I have so many positive experiences and I'd love to work in gaming uh, again at some point. I just think that for now I was ready to do something a little bit different. So now I'm moving over to beer, but, uh, <laughs> these are like the two things that I love. I, yeah. know, I mean, if you could, if you could somehow, if you could somehow next work for like, uh, a really good coffee, uh, brewer or something like that, then like, like a coffee roaster, that would be, um, you would basically just be, uh, marketing my life. Um, you, you'd know exactly how to manipulate me, uh, perfectly. Here's my ethos. If you're going to be if you're going to take part in capitalism, even if you don't really <laughs> want to take part in capitalism, like at least market things that make people happy, that <laughs> actually makes them forget the fact that we're all sort of doomed to die in this awful thing that we call the world. Uh, and I mean, I mean, just for some context, so I, I do a lot of creative projects. I did journalism for a while. I'm writing a lot now. I'm actually almost done with a draft for a book, which I'm really excited about. Wow, uh, good for you, man. Yeah, and some other stuff too. And I, I do in all these things. And, and at some point, you also have to figure out how to sustain yourself in an apartment. So I <laughs> I did mark – I mean, I worked for a startup for a while, and then I was at an agency uh, before my previous one. And, I mean, I was selling, like, adult diapers, uh, which mm-hmm. is great. It's great for the people who want to actually – uh, they need them. They are needed, and I, I, just not very interesting. And mm-hmm. I kind of decided from that point, if I'm going to be in this industry that I don't love, uh, I want to at least balance that out uh, and work for products that I do love. And I, it, it makes me happy to go to work. And I mean, working in gaming was just a dream come true. Like I learned so many things. I got uh, so many amazing opportunities, and it's it's just really fun to see it, an industry that you love from that inside perspective and i learned so much about how people are consuming and and we're going to talk about that in a little bit uh but yeah i mean i I would say maybe my advice uh just for people who you know are trying to figure out what to do Uh, life is really hard and there isn't a lot of like guide rails that you can uh cling on to and i know that you kind of have a similar experience with this just follow the things that you like doing uh if you can't do it full-time just do it part-time and and even with your full time, try to align yourself with those things that you love as much as you can, and then, uh, yeah, you'll f- you'll figure something out. Like one of my favorite quotes is Jay Electronica. Uh, he has he had this great quote in an interview because for those who don't know who he is, he's a, one of the best rappers of all time. Uh, still hasn't released uh, a follow up to one of the greatest albums ever released. And uh, <laughs> when asked in an interview, like, "What's going on? Why aren't you doing?" it? He just said, "My train's right on schedule." And all of us, like, we're on schedule. We're just figuring out our way to to get through life a day at a time. And all you can do is try to build on the things that you know that you're good at and you know that you love to do, and then uh, you'll be in a good place. Man, that is a good quote. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, that's I I think that's right. Like, and I honestly, like, I that's something that I think gets lost a lot when we're talking about, um, well, obviously when we're talking about games, because games, like, in a way – make this so hard to kind of 
well, like you said, they 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 blur the world in a good way. Um, but that blurring can also be a bad thing in that like we we sort of just see the world as a as a linear progression in, in the way we might see a game. Um but on the other hand, like I think uh it's hard when you're online. Like the the sort of like content factory quality of, of something like Twitter makes you feel like if you're not producing something, then you must be you must be like deficient somehow. And I, I like that, like uh, my trains rate on schedule, like the idea that like, no, like, look, just, <laughs> just keep working towards it. You don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. It's just, uh, just getting there is the important thing. And also part of it's, uh, we all surround ourselves with the most creative people who are just <laughs> doing these amazing things on a daily basis. And it's a little intimidating sometimes because yeah. it, it is it is tough and all of us do have our own paths, but you just have to remember that for you, as long as you feel like you're being productive and you're happy with what you're doing on a daily basis, uh, whether during the day or at night or both, um, that, that's really what's important. And I, I kind of really believe that. I remember talking, I was at PAX East and I was talking to some developers and we were just all sort of talking about where our lives are. And, and I sort of got some of their pain points and they got some of my pain points. And it was this really interesting interchange of ideas um, where we were just all discussing like the, the, the stressors of the particular aspects of our job. So yeah. for instance, um, I was talking about like us, you know, sometimes we don't get things in a timely fashion or things change at the last minute. And they were telling me, oh yeah, but we have like these huge deadlines that we have to hit and uh, we don't have a lot of oversight or support to do that sometimes. And I mean, really like we're all, even in the gaming industry, it's like kind of, it sounds stupid, but it's refreshing. Like, oh, we're all working jobs. Like we're, yeah. we're, we all have certain things that we have to do that we don't love doing. So it, it was just kind of like, cool to to meet each other at the same page because i i don't know about you but i've always sort of suffered from imposter syndrome sometimes when i'm around people yeah, absolutely who are like yeah, super yeah, sure. creative or super successful where it's like what am i doing here i really shouldn't <laughs> be here I, I don't feel like i should be breathing the same air as these other people and it's just and i say this all the time and i say it from a business perspective, I say it from a creative perspective, like meeting the people who I work with at these gaming companies, meeting the actual creators themselves. Once you meet all these people, everyone in gaming is so nice. Mm. Like if I work with you, it makes me want to work with you more. And if you have problems, like we can relate to each other because we share this one interest in common and it, it crosses whatever our job titles are. So I, I, I kind of, I feel like gaming is a very nice, uh, place where everyone really does feel like they're on the same playing field man where were you at the gaming debate this is like this is like the this is like the one two punch that, uh, that chrisman needed i was sick <laughs> i was sick i'll be in reserve okay. for next time everyone i mean everyone in new york city seemed sick when i was there so uh that that uh not that, that makes it sound like everyone was avoiding me i i actually saw all the sick people and they got me sick but which is better than not seeing them to be fair, uh, but it seemed like like the 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 plague was going around. It was a it was a weird weekend. It's, it's still going around. It's been a really oh, bad, no. It's been a really bad flu season. It's actually snowing right now. Oh jeez. Yeah. yeah, it passed through. Yeah, it passed through Pennsylvania a little while ago. I think we missed. I think we're we're uh, we're through it at this point. But um, yeah. So like, tell me. So let's get into a. Let's get into the the weeds a little bit on your on your job. So like. I, I will feel it out a little bit, but you be the you be the director. Uh, we we talked about this before, but I don't really care if if this is uh, is you know in front of the scenes and behind the scenes. You tell me if you were getting too close to thorny territory for you because it's it's pretty cool to have someone on the podcast who works in gaming. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on. Um, I, I hear the police are coming for you because you're talking on this podcast, which is uh, a shame. Yeah, not good. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but the, um, you know, I, I've, I've talked to people who work in gaming. I, uh, uh, someone, I, I won't name the companies, but like they, they would, they'll DM me or like someone will DM me and they say like, Hey, I work at X or I work at Y. And there's like super recognizable companies, games like I'm playing and I've, I've loved and stuff. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like, that's amazing. Like, I can't believe you guys listen to the podcast. Um, can you come on? And every time I always ask and every time they say no, and I say, I know. I just needed to ask because, like, I needed to ask. But everyone has an NDA. Like NDAs just are it, they like they hand them out like water in in gaming. So it's it's amazing to have someone on who's actually worked in the industry. 
um, in any in any capacity, let alone uh, your super interesting and like relevant capacity. So the um, you stop me at any point. I don't want to make you. Yeah, I mean, I can I can clarify a little bit, and and actually, it might be good for me to to voice exactly what where my uh, <laughs> where I'm going to be limiting myself because I'm not <laughs> anything that would violate any type of NDA. Um, mm-hmm. Any that I did or didn't sign, uh, I'm going to be talking about my perspective in terms of what I've seen working in the industry. So Great. nothing, n- nothing like I'm not going. Sorry, I'm not going to talk about anything uh, um, totally uh, <laughs> secret because that I really can't talk about. And honestly, That's fine. part of it also, and this is something that coming from the journalism side, I didn't even realize like that really does lose people their jobs if mm, something gets really? if something gets leaked like that even if it wasn't their fault. And wow. I really, I, I don't want to be a part of that. It, it's tough because I feel for people who, and, and I mean, I know that there are leakers out there, um, but I, I feel for people. I don't want to lose any of my, anyone who I work with their jobs. Like that's not a, a good feeling. So no, not at all. I'm going to, I, 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 I'm going to be pretty careful about that, but yeah, I mean, I understand their positions of why they might not want to come on more specifically. I think also is that I worked for a number of different gaming companies because from the agency side, I I get to put put my hands in a lot of different pots. Uh, So it's a little bit less intensive on one gaming client. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll we'll take it from there once we uh, begin to talk. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, no. It's it's what's what's so interesting about that is like, you know, it it reminds me why. I like what I'm doing now as opposed to investigative journalism. Like investigative journalism looks so fun and looks so interesting. I could never push anyone to do anything that they were uncomfortable with. Like, and like, you may as well just not even try at that point. <laughs> like I couldn't, if someone was like, Ooh boy, I don't know. Like I'm scared about losing my job. I'd say like, you know, if you're scared of losing your job, don't do it. Like I'll, I'll find some other way to write the article. Uh, so I'm with you on that. I don't want to, like, I don't want to, produce anything that could that could impact anyone that way like it just it just doesn't feel it feels like the value isn't there i guess and i think that what like jason schreier does and and what team at kotaku does and team at some other gaming sites do is super important i think it's good to have that transparency Um, yeah it's cool that's just something and and they are very good at what they do in terms of guarding their sources and making sure that no issues are going to come to anyone who tells them anything um but yeah, that's not something that, from my perspective, and I, I've done investigative journalism in the past. I actually like doing it, but I've I've never been in the position where I've had to compromise someone like that, and and that's definitely right. a harder thing to swallow because you really are like ruining someone's livelihood if you end up screwing something up. So it, it's tough. Well, so um, why don't you walk us into it a little bit? Like, tell us a little bit about um your experiences, uh, your sort of, uh, overview of the, of the, the world as such in gaming. I mean, you have like, I know you have a couple of concerns you want to talk about a couple of things like from a macro level and from like, you know, seeing the industry from the position you did. Um, why don't you, why don't you lead us in? Why don't you sort of like, uh, give us, give us your, it's like, it's like we're talking to a famous, a famous scholar, like, uh, in, uh, in 1760, uh, give us your first observation. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> famous scholar in 1760. Um, I, I mean, I think that we're really witnessing a time of pretty crazy change right now in gaming. And I, I mean, Pyre is a good example of it. So what's the last console game you bought? Um, last console game I bought, uh, I bought some, uh, on, um, uh, 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 Black Friday when I got my PS4. Um, I, you know, I, I think I bought Bloodborne. I bought, uh, Yakuza 0, uh, Final Fantasy 15. But like, uh, beyond that, uh, it, it had been, it had been maybe years. So, and those games, like those are all games that came out like a year ago. Yeah. So you got them on sale. I did get them on sale. Yeah, I rarely, I rarely get. Uh, well, more and more now. But yeah, I mean, up until I don't know, like a month ago, when the podcast really became super viable, uh, uh, or you know, hypothetically a month ago. Yeah, I usually buy them on sale or I buy them used. So this to me is the problem that the next problem needs to be solved in gaming. So on one hand, you have 
amazing single player games that are coming out right now. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I'm guessing you didn't play Wolfenstein yet, but Wolfenstein. No, no, yeah, I, I did buy that new. I bought that. I bought that full price. I haven't okay. played it yet, but I did buy that. Yes. Well, that's really good. I mean, Wolfenstein Prey was an amazing game. Prey is uh, fantastic. Horizon yeah. was an amazing game. Persona. The last game I bought full price was Persona. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, but these are all great games. The issue is that I don't think that there's as big of a market as before to play mm. a 60 hour single player game and for $60. Yeah, it's hard. And even less than that, because to me, and we talked about it with steam, I can play night on the woods on steam. I can buy it for 20 bucks and it's going to be a six hour game, but I'll finish it. I'll spend a lot less money. I'll still get a great single player experience. And I have 40 more dollars that I don't need to spend somewhere else. It's easy to set up. I don't have to wait for my console to boot up for like an hour in order to update everything. Like right. it's just an easier, better experience. And I think that on I think that a lot of um gaming companies are gonna begin to see the stress because to develop an a single player experience to the the level of some of the ones that we've seen. And I think the last year was a great year for gaming. I don't know if you agree with me, but I think last year had some amazing games, especially for single player. Oh yeah. I'm doing my best of list was like a, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even make the list, but when I had to do the podcast, so I started off and I was like, well, I'll try and do this bit. Like maybe, maybe I'll get two or three out of it. I, I don't know. Cause I wasn't even thinking about what games came out that year. And then as I kept digging it back, I was like, that game came out this year? That too? This one? That one? It was a it was a crazy year for gaming. Yeah, it was an amazing year, but I, I don't think that they sold that well. Okay. And and I mean that that's just my perspective in terms of uh I, I look at VG charts on a daily basis. I get an idea from that. Um VG charts, by the way, if anyone ever wants to know anything about gaming sales, it's a pretty good estimator of what video game sales are worldwide. It's just a website that anyone can access. But I, I think that part of the issue is that those games specifically appeal to an older audience. They're not appealing to 18-year-olds anymore. Those games appeal to 25 to 34-year-olds. Right. And our age group, the 25 to 34-year-old age group, we don't have time to sit down and play 10 <laughs> like huge single-player games anymore. We have jobs. We have other things to do. I mean, yeah, I, I've been having that that problem for I mean, sure. I haven't, I haven't beaten Persona yet because even though I really want to, because I don't have time to play it. And I've been sitting on it for like a year. I, I got to the, <laughs> like the third palace, and I haven't gotten past there yet. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, I, I beat a couple of games. Like I beat Prey because Prey was fairly short. Prey's about um, like an eighteen-hour game if you take your time. Yeah, and and yeah. also, I Prey was a great game. I oh, can't say enough good things about that, but. It's just like really, really hard to play a lot of single player games. Now, multiplayer games, on the other hand, like those games, you can jump in, you can play, and you can get out. Like that's why people love Overwatch. It's why people love all of these titles. But at the mm-hmm. same time, with multiplayer games, the ones that really made a huge bump this year were free to play, except for Overwatch. And it's that's going to be something that also needs to bear a lot of watching because. Of course, people are going to play a game for free. I mean, that is how Overwatch brought people in. Uh, Fortnite. Um, yep. Fortnite blew up this year. Um, Battlegrounds blew up this year. Well, and, Battlegrounds isn't free to play, though. Well, wasn't it originally when people were getting started? On the beta? No, it was always it was always 20 bucks. But I mean, oh. even right, that at, right. a, at a price point is like whatever. I mean, but it, it goes back to what you're saying. Like, it's not free to play, but it's – I mean, 20 bucks, you say, okay, 20 bucks, I can play with my friends – a bit it's essentially just like okay do you want to go to do you want to go to applebee's tonight or something like it's not it's not a big buy-in i'm realizing i got a free copy of battlegrounds that's why i thought it was free okay ah okay Um. (laughs) because i was gonna correct you when you were like all these i was like a lot of them were free to play like fortnite but like uh battlegrounds wasn't and that that makes sense we can can skip that part but (laughs) the big point is that um with a lot of these like, like the money is in the constant games, right? It's in the games yeah. that are constantly being updated on a PC. It's not in the money. The money's not in like the single player games that are huge console games with the DLC. The money is in the World of Warcrafts, the Fortnites, the actual continual up- updating things. And games as a service is, I mean, that that's the industry now. 
like every single game is just trying to optimize to the lowest possible. Like, like they're all just trying to drive as many concurrent people to actually purchase the game as possible and to continue to upgrade and to bring new people in. And I think that that model is inherently not super appealing to consumers on desktop and on console, but on mobile, like they're trying to use a mobile model on console and desktop. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I just, I think that there's going to be a point where that's not going to be a totally viable method and it'll be fascinating to see how they pivot from that because on mobile users are naturally more likely to impulse buy mm-hmm. it's easier. You're on the um, train, you just you're bored. It's three dollars, right? Yeah. Buy fifty hints for this game that I, I don't even really care about. Um, right, right. And then but for for console and PC, like, and this is just based on what I've seen, and, and actually, like the, these gaming companies, by and large, are doing a really good job for at the time being of finding a really efficient audience. But I, I just don't think that the pool of people is necessarily sustainable, mm. and I, I think there's going to have to be some sort of pivot in terms of how these. Like there's going to be a life cycle and then a pivot in terms of how this business model is actually going to work. And I'm interested to see what happens there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting like that because like you bring up – you bring up Fortnite and I thought Fortnite was like a really interesting, um, uh, as you say, pivot point in some ways. Because of course like Battlegrounds – I think like when I think of how much time I spend in Battlegrounds, I think like, well, it's been like a drop in the bucket. Like I barely play that game, even though I like it. I'm just not very good at it and I don't always find the time. And then I looked I looked at my Steam hours played and it's at 24 hours played. And I'm like that's not a lot for a lot of people. But as you say, like, you know, we all have jobs uh, in the 24 to 35 age range. We have responsibilities and stuff. And it, since no cartridge has become like a, a job of sorts, like the the variety of games I have to play means that I don't have as many, you know, 300 hour played games as I did even, you know, two years ago. But um, so obviously, like, it's an easy game to pick up and play. But the the crazy thing is, like, even PUBG feels like a commitment. You have to play like 30 to 45 minute matches if you're anyway or decent at it. The like Fortnite is is such a pivot because you can then jump in and play a five minute match, even if you're good at it. Like it's a, it's, it's more aggressive. It's quicker. It feels more casual, but it feels also like, um, uh, like you can become really serious at it. And it's this merging of the casual gamers desire of like, Oh geez, I have to waste, you know, 15 minutes here. What am I going to do? And the, the sort of like serious uh, classic gamers desire of like, okay, it's time to game for eight hours. Like, what am I going to play? I, I, and Fortnite's also better designed than PUBG, which helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's cleaner, and it looks better, and it plays a lot easier. But at the same time, I mean, I, I love Epic Games. They, they do amazing work. And what they've done in two years, like, they were pretty much a nobody. I mean, they, they, they made Gears of War, they made Unreal, and then they decided to publish games themselves. And they've done a great job in two years. But mm-hmm. they just announced that Paragon is going to close down. And Paragon right. is a game that was also free to play. And... I guess that they're shifting over to Fortnite because Fortnite is such a huge thing. But let's, I just want to see how they're able to recoup some of the value on Fortnite uh, in the future because um, yeah. I'm excited. I love Fortnite. I think that, and I think Epic is awesome. So I'm really intrigued. And I think that actually they have a really good idea. Like I, I just really like what they're doing. So I, I hope that they're able to pull it all together, but we'll see. Yeah, it's and like it's interesting too because of all of the controversies around loot box or I'm sorry, loot crates and um and you know uh, pay to play and and you know is this gambling or why am I paying more adding on top of the thing I'm already buying and like one of the things that has become clear to me is I sort of share the same pain point which is very uncommon um, but I share the same pain point with a lot of other um, uh, gamers in, in this regard where like. If it's purchasable content in the game that impacts like the plot or the story of the game, as you say, like first person narrative experiences, that irritates me. 
or if it's like a, a character that would um, change one's strategy. Like uh, you have to buy characters in the new uh, Dragon Ball uh, fighting game that everyone is like uh, thinking is going to be like a new entry into the 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 world of of competitive fight or uh, the pro fighting scene. Um, like you have to buy characters in that some of them, and it's like, well, you know, that's like it's like actual. Uh, it's like how the game works. Like that's actual content that I have to pay for. Whereas if it's like Fortnite or PUBG, where you can pay to get more of a chance to get an outfit or like a different set of armor that is cosmetic or like new pants or something, or Overwatch, where it's the exact same thing, that's okay. Like, and actually, I might even be likely to buy that. Like, it it doesn't bother me at all. So, like, I think there's there's something there in terms of like the free to play model, where it's like, yeah, you know. You can compete on the bare bones. You can customize for a fee, and that's what it's that's what it is. It's very mobile gaming, but it seems like I don't know. It seems like there's a toehold there, at least. I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that there's definitely a toehold. I think the question is how many people are going to actually uh, pay for it. Yeah, sure. And people will. I mean, one thing that I believe more publishers are being open to is more customizability when it comes to actually branding the content within the game. Like I'm I'm sure that if Markiplier reached out to a publisher and said I want to have it so that anyone who wants uh anyone who I like lead to you through a video, maybe do a rev share or something like that, um has like a Markiplier symbol on like their banner and their fort in the game, uh I, I think that a lot more publishers are open to doing that now than in the past, just because influencer marketing, uh, which I do think is a double-edged sword, mind you, for certain games, uh, mm-hmm. is is so prevalent now. So I, I, I think as long as the customizability stays very apparent, like one of my favorite games ever is Saints Row 2 okay, uh, because of the customizability. There's so much that you could do there. And I, I think as long as the creativeness continues to – be open modding continues to be open like i think modding is something that could at some point um maybe some sort of unlimited modding system could uh be a nice way for free-to-play games to continue to to make some money Uh, as long as there is some sort of revenue stream there i think that that will uh help them uh, in order to continue down the road to profitability hmm so if I could ask you to pivot a little bit, um, I'm, I'm I'm interested in what you mean by um, influencer marketing. That's something that I'm not super familiar with as a term, and I was wondering if you could give me a little more of a uh, of a full definition of it because that sounds super interesting the way you described it there. But you're an influencer. If you wanted oh, to, <laughs> if you wanted to, you could get you could totally get people to like if you play your game on your show. I bet mean, people will pay you for it. I did get I did get um I did get a free copy of uh, a game that I have to review. I got one. So that's yes. uh that that was my that was my one thing. I reached out, but I I okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, so yeah, no, I had I had a I, I've gotten review copies of games. Um and and you know, not not big AAA titles or anything uh quite yet. I'm not exactly at that stature, but I see what you're saying. Like so that that's what you mean by influencer marketing, like the the but you're not talking about just free review copies, uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you, you could also pay influencers to play your game and then promote it on Twitch, mm. uh, okay. and stuff like that. And the issue is that, and this also goes back to single player games, uh, and, and and I'm guilty of this as well. Sometimes there are games that I just want to watch somebody play, just see their reactions, and not actually buy it. Like, yeah. especially scary games. I, I just, I'm not a horror game person. I'll just watch like. Markiplier play it and see what happens and he'll like freak out about it. It'll be funny. Um, <laughs> and I, th- I think it's a double-edged sword because for instance, uh, I mean, I've been convinced I was convinced to buy undertale because of the let's play. Mm-hmm. I saw the first couple of videos and I was like, Oh, I, this game seems awesome. I want to buy it. Yeah. I want to actually play this, not just watch because it. Right? Also because it was $10 and on yeah. steam and really easy to buy. But for other games, uh, I, I just pretty much, I mean, if I'm bored, I'll watch the entire game because I just, I, it's easier to just watch it on your computer. I can do other things. I have other things to do. I don't have to spend any money. 
Um, and I think that that's something that it's a tough balance because you saw what Atlas tried to do with Persona. They tried to block people from streaming the entire game and they got a ton of blowback for it. Right, exactly. Nintendo messes around a little bit with that too, right? Like they're a little, they're a little chippy about streaming. And there are embargoes, and there, and there are a lot of things in general that I just think the way that the gaming industry works is is just not good. Like I think that embargoing too strictly on games, especially review copies, has been really. I don't think it's been beneficial in general for gaming, and I think that a lot of companies are smartening up on that actually, where they're being mm-hmm. more flexible in terms of releasing review copies for reviewers to actually have time with the game. Um, yeah. So I think that, that that's definitely been a step in the right direction, but at the same time, uh, it's pretty rough. Where, I mean, like, like for example, Lyric's a huge streamer on Twitch. They're probably, and I think that the good thing about some of these streamers on Twitch is that they don't have time to play the entire game, so you only get to see part of it. But like, I remember there was a game that he played. I don't remember which game exactly, but he played a game where he pretty much played through the entire game in two days. And wow, that's like a hundred thousand people probably who just watched the game and didn't buy it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's and like it, balance. It's tough too because you think about games like um, we think about games that like blew up because of that. I mean, this is like more of a of a YouTube or a Let's Play sort of thing that blew this up. But I guess Switch too, like Five Nights at Freddy's, right? Mm-hmm. Where like indie games really benefit from this kind of thing, but. Also, the games that don't benefit from it are games like, um, I mean, like, like you're talking about, like there's this game um, that I bought because it was on sale, and it's it's a perfect example of what you're talking about. I haven't played it yet, but it looks interesting, and it looks like it'll be up my alley, uh, called Get Even. I hadn't heard about it. It looks all right. It's like kind of a, I don't know. It, it, it's basically a walking simulator, right? Like it's a walking simulator with a, like a little bit of action mixed in, and it's just sort of like a, a, a kind of like trippy sort of like, horror paranoia sort of uh simulator right but like and those are all well and good and in fact like game they are games that created quite a buzz when they were first released because you could say oh hey you gotta play this game you gotta play amnesia uh it's super scary and you're not gonna believe it like you have to just play it it's super cool um and people would buy it because of the mystery but if the mystery is out there for free Hey, it feels like something that's going to, it feels like something has to change. Like those kind of games that are just essentially movies, um, but with, with, uh, with interactivity, um, have to pivot right or wrong or good or bad. I don't know to more of like a, uh, I don't know what, like a, like a, like a skill-based sort of thing. And and I'm on Twitch right now, actually, at the time of this recording, how dare you? <laughs> and you just look at like the top five games, and it's it's wild to me, by the way, because for about a year, like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds was top two every mm-hmm. single time he went on Twitch, and now it's down to like number nine. And really? It's, huh. Well, it's down to eight actually, because Sea of Thieves just came out. Sea of Thieves is doing really well, and and that's another game where it's a really innovative multiplayer concept. Fortnite's number four now. Fortnite has eighty six thousand viewers right now on Twitch, which is wow wild to me and league of legends world of warcraft and then this new game called hunt showdown which i've never heard of before in my life so uh yeah i mean i think that you're right that twitch is really good at bringing to mind games that i wouldn't have thought about before but i think that it's a double-edged sword and and twitch is i know twitch is uh trying to find a good balance in terms of keeping advertisers happy and also their fans happy because that's been a whole other Uh, it's tough because it's such a user-driven community that they don't want to make it feel too ad-heavy. And they've done a pretty good job, I think, of not making it feel too ad-heavy. But uh, love Twitch. They're they're like, in in gaming, Twitch, best people to work with. Love them. Hmm. Love working with them. They're the best. They seem really cool. I've actually had no, I've had no complaints about Twitch, uh, to be honest with you, which is like, I'm not just saying that, and that is also extremely rare in the world of streaming and uh, and uh, and online services. Not to mention gaming. I mean, one of the things that that strikes me about this. I mean, you know, what, immediately when you say said PUBG was uh, was down in the ranks, I was like, oh, is that because like you know it's it's getting like the one two blow here? Like PewDiePie is now gone, and then uh, and then what? Like uh, Doctor Disrespect. Uh, cheated on his wife so he's out of there for a oh, while yeah. like you lose some of your, but like you know i mean it's that's a joke but it's also kind of true in that like 
the complexity that Twitch introduces is that now the people using the games are actually part of the industry discussion in a way that they never were before. Like, yeah, of course you care about your, and, and maybe you can speak to this, but I would assume, yeah, of course, like you care about your consumers. You care about like, okay, what are they going to buy? You don't, I mean, you don't care about their well being, but you care about like, okay, are they going to buy my game? Are they going to rent my game back? You know, however long ago where we would rent games. Um, what, what can I expect from my consumers and what can I expect from their interactivity with this game? It's not as if you can say like, Oh, what can I expect from my consumers and how are they going to immediately interact one-on-one with me and the rest of my audience in the way that now Twitch is like Twitch really introduced this whole new variable in there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Twitch is a, Twitch really has changed the way that everyone has to approach pretty much everything when it comes to, to marketing. And that's why it's, it's difficult because from what I've seen on Twitch, like there are certain Twitch streamers who they'll turn on their stream and they'll instantly get like a hundred thousand people watching them like Mm -hmm. in a second. Uh, And those aren't always the best people to actually work with because you'll get a lot of people looking at them, but these are people who will watch them play any genre of game. Right. So you don't know if they're actually like your genre of game. So in my experience and the, and the, relationships i formed have always been best when you look for like people who are more focused on the actual genres of games that you're promoting and uh i've always had a good experience whenever i work with them and and we actually are able to monitor and see which of those streamers are driving the most purchases and we always see the highest uh, percentage coming from those who click off of um those streamers who are more focused so interesting uh, yeah i mean it, it, it it's a multiverse it's, it's a multi-dimensional strategy because that all you also want to drive awareness but i i we're at a at the point now where i don't think awareness really helps the marketer awareness is for the ceo so that way when he's on ign <laughs> and his game's coming out he's not freaking out and saying why isn't my game on ign it, it's a vanity thing yeah, and the CEO is behind like I mean obviously very up with the the business practices but also behind probably the the he's behind the times in terms of like what actually people on the internet would care about in terms of the game. Like it doesn't matter if you're on IGN, it matters yeah. if you're on Twitch. I mean, I don't even think it's about being behind the times. I think it's about just knowing that the game is on gaming sites. Because, oh, okay. Like, yeah. like you like, say, pure vanity, right? Sure. If I'm putting together a plan, I probably spent like three months putting together this super detailed plan with like 20 different sites and 20 different private marketplace deals and and all these other things. And I'm working on like all these super nitty gritty details. And meanwhile, like the CEO has other things he's worried about. Like he has yeah. 500 million things. He just wants to be able to go to GameSpot, click on it, and be like, "Oh, there's my game." My game is right. there. People can sense. see it. I feel happy now. And we just we just don't want him to be upset. So that's really <laughs> that would be, yeah, be bad for your job. Yeah, right. that, that that's really I mean, that's really the purpose of a homepage takeover. A homepage takeover, which for those who don't know, is when you see all of the different banners on the homepage of a site or any page of a site. Uh, that's called a homepage takeover. Uh, that's really just that that's totally just an ego play. Like mm. that doesn't actually like at least in my experience, it isn't necessarily going to be the number one driver of people actually going to click click a game. Now, they could see that and then Google it later, and we actually like there are ways to track that as well. But Interesting. Um, they are not necessarily like that's not going to be what ends up being a make or break for any title. That's just something nice to have so that if the CMO or the CEO want to be able to see that their game is being seen by people, they know that it's being seen by people. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so interesting coming from a position like I briefly dabbled in um, advertising no cartridge and I bounced off of it super fast. Like I have no idea how to do it. Um, and part of the reason I have no idea how to do it is because I'm thinking like the CEO in a certain way. Like I, I when you said like homepage takeovers don't work, I was like, well, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Like I don't care. I'm not going to go ahead and buy, you know, Call of Duty, the new Call of Duty because like there's eight ads uh, when I go like look at how the Eagles are doing or something like that on like my on like bleeding green nation or whatever. It's like, you know, that, that doesn't really do it for me. Um, but at the same point, when I'm thinking about my own advertising, it's like, well, I need to buy ads. 
I need them to be in places where gamers are. And it's like, that's just like the way you're talking about it, though, in terms of like imagining how people get their their media and how people think about um you know their purchases by way of like where they are on the internet when they are on the internet all that all those variables i mean it's so much more complicated oh yeah i mean for, first of all if, if anyone ever wants uh some advertising help with any of the with any other things i'm happy to <laughs> to give some quick advice um i i mean i'll take you up on that later yeah but it's yes. not it's not <laughs> And it really isn't hard to do. I mean, with Google, you can pretty much advertise anywhere, which is great. Uh, you won't you won't get like the reporting that I might get by doing it with a little bit more professionally, but you'll get a ton of information, and it'll be in front of the people you want it to be in front of. My, my advice hmm. for anyone who wants to advertise their own product: get Google AdWords certified. It's super easy. It's really intuitive. It's all open book, and once you do that, you'll you'll have a really good knowledge of how to. Uh, market a product on Google, and it's not hard to do. It, it really hmm. isn't hard. It took me like about a week to do it. Um, but I, yeah, but <clears throat> sorry, I sort of lost my train of thought there for a second. No, I guess like the the other question I had coming from that was like the so when when you're talking about um, different places where people buy things and and different ways to to market these games, I mean, part of it is you are you're dealing with the new ways in which interactivity works. So like, um, I, you're, you, you have, you have kids or no, right? I have no, no. kids. Okay. Um, it, uh, for this, for this particular, uh, example, uh, dogs don't count, but I usually, I don't usually get mad at people for calling their dogs kids. Cause they are also a big, uh, commitment, but the, um, if you have kids, uh, in the audience, you know, this particular scam, uh, on YouTube, it's not the creepy YouTube things that everyone was freaking out about a while ago. It's these, it's far more innocent, but also in some ways far less innocent. Uh, basically, they're toy unboxing videos, toy unboxing channels. And oh, yeah. uh, so like, yeah, so the ones my my daughter likes are um, uh, Toy Genie Surprises and uh, Cookie C. Uh, which are basically just these women. Um, uh, I Cookie C has revealed her face, but uh, Toy Genie has not. So, like most of the times, you just see their hands. So it's a close up, basically, of their hands, and they are opening toys uh, and like showing you them. And they'll talk most of the time. Some of them are silent, but the most popular ones talk to you too, and like tell you what they're doing. Sometimes they'll take on characters, like they'll play with the toys, basically. Um, and what's fascinating about this, like initially, we just watched them and they seemed to calm her down when she would be like frustrated with something when she was like two. So it's like, all right, they're great. But then once you watch them enough, once you're with them enough, you realize like, Oh, Hey, all of the same toys are showing up on this. And then like at one point or another, these toys called LOL dolls came out and they were a huge Christmas seller, like Furby level Christmas sellers. And, um, I read up a little bit on them and the dude came out with them the previous July and was just like, yeah, I'm just shipping a bunch of these to to the people who are doing YouTube stuff and saying, hey, uh, definitely open these. Uh, and they did. And millions of kids saw it and it sold all this stuff. And it's like, wow, that is like that is a level of guerrilla advertising that me as like a 32 year old can't quite understand until I've been, uh, you know, taken to the cleaners by it. Yeah. And that also wouldn't fly at a larger company because you can't monitor right. like there, like there's. I don't I, – I, I need to read the article, but I, I'm guessing he didn't just – so you're saying that he literally just like sent the dolls to people. He didn't work out a deal with them beforehand. I'm guessing he probably worked out you know, a deal it was, beforehand. Yeah, I'm sure they worked out a deal beforehand. I mean it was like a Business Insider article. It was like I didn't do good research. But like yeah, yeah that's how he framed it casually. I'm sure they worked out some sort of deal. And these are – I mean these are uh, you know sites – these are YouTube channels with uh, subscribers in the millions. So this is like – this is like akin to – it's like the the toddler version of Twitch in this way, um, like akin to the people you'd be talking to, like who have those hundred thousand viewers like instantly, right? Um, but what's fascinating to me about this, like whether you know, I would actually, what is fascinating to me about this is the nature of the deal as well. I have no idea how that works, and it's super interesting. But um, from even from a Marxist perspective of like why is this bad? It's very interesting. But the uh, like it, it, the toys are one thing because of course like. I don't know, like if you ever met a three or four year old, they don't care that they're seeing it. They want the physical thing. Like they want the toy. So you still have to go out and buy the toy. Um, 
mean, you don't have to, but you're encouraged to by any number of vectors. Um, it's not about just seeing it on TV. It's about holding it and playing it and putting it in your room and stuff. Whereas with a video game, that interactivity is sometimes missing. Like you can get the same sort of satisfaction out of watching a game. Like, okay, I'm going to watch Resident Evil 7. I'm not going to play it. And it's like, all right, that's fine. You just, you've watched the game and you feel satisfied. That's a big problem, it would seem. Yeah. And then, I mean, it isn't even just gaming. Like, I I don't know if you are a huge Netflixer or if your family are huge Netflixers, but you can also watch, you can watch pretty much anything on Netflix too. Like, if I want to watch, if I, if I want to like do something super bloody and like watch or play a game that's like super gory, I could either look for a game and watch it or and play it for like however many hours and just like shoot things up. Or I can watch Devil Man Cry Baby on Netflix, which is five hours and just <laughs> friggin' crazy. I, I love Devil Man Cry yeah. Baby. I would. It's a, all the Devil Man stuff is really Wait, good. Wait, did you watch it? I haven't watched Cry Baby yet. I've watched other, I, I was a, I was a Devil Man fan back in the days where you like had to get VHSs of it and stuff. Yeah. Oh, you have to watch it. It's so good. The yeah, sound, I'm excited. The soundtrack is dope too. It's so good. Just don't watch it with the kids. Um, well, yeah, no, <laughs> that, that is not that is not a kid friendly show. But I mean, <laughs> that, that is a larger issue. There are so many more ways to entertain ourselves now. We have Netflix. We have Hulu. We have um, pretty much anything else. We have our own projects we're working on. Uh, we have YouTube. We have Twitch. Like there are so many things to do that don't involve spending money to play a game and Mm -hmm. i think that we're at a point now where especially with that younger audience like they're always even if they are alone they are connected somehow like they're on i don't know if you know of this app called house party it's huge it's huge with middle school and high schoolers and and pretty much what they do is it's like it's pretty much just like skype except it's a little bit more customized for high schoolers and for mobile so like if kids are doing math homework together, they'll be on house party or Skyping each other and doing math homework from each other's houses and like sharing answers with each other, which is something cool. Actually. It, it is cool. But like the big thing is just like these kids are never alone. There mm-hmm. isn't really that solo lonely experience of like even going through like even Zelda breath of the wild is a good example. Like, I don't know. I mean, Zelda is still big with a younger audience for sure. I think part of that is because they're, it's cool to go exploring, but a lot of it also, I think why breath of the wild did so well with that audience is because the switch inherently is something that you can do with your friends. You can explore with your friends mm-hmm. and I, like, like you can go on parallel journeys, but at the same time, like where you're comparing your journeys with your friends, uh, which isn't something that you can do with a lot of other console games. And I mean, again, Nintendo, Nintendo knows what people want. Like Nintendo has not gotten to where they've gotten by not following what people want them to do. So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I would trust Nintendo in terms of, of keeping up with trends. Yeah, I guess like in that way, Nintendo is really – it it sort of understands the soul of why people like direct downloads. Like PlayStation 4 does the direct download. And like the cool thing about that is like, okay, fine, like I can I can go ahead and uh and get this game now, right? And I can play it now. But the way you're describing the the experience of Breath of the Wild, it's like people also like it because like people don't care about the there's there's no magic of the commodity anymore when it comes to like video games or dvds like things we i I feel like at the beginning of streaming or the beginning of downloads um even if you're thinking about like napster right like when when the idea of pirating music came out the fact that you know you could get a a a whole cd was appealing but then you'd have people who'd be like nah man i want i want like the cd i want the gem case i want the liner notes or i want the record or whatever right like now that's not a thing. Like I feel that's not like it's it, in niche circle, sure, but like no one's going to say that they need the physical copy of Persona Five over the download, um, unless they're like a big Persona Five head or something like that, right? Um, and no one's going to say that about Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is about the experience; it's not about the thing. And I wonder if that like that loss of like oh, I have 
I have a, a a sort of like endorphin rush from buying a box set of DVDs or by actually like having a copy of uh, whatever, like Final Fantasy X or, or whatever. Um, I wonder if that like I wonder if that's recoverable for for video game and 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 TV and film industries uh, because that seems like such a big part of it. To me, the big thing with buying an actual box for gaming is the collectible that you can get with it. Like I know that a lot of gaming companies will utilize some sort of statue or other thing that. Yeah, I just, buy. I just bought, I just bought a Shin Megami Tensei game that came with these little like pins. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. But I think also part of the thing is, uh, and I mean conventions have been going on for a while, but I, I think that with sort of this blossoming of nerd performative dirtiness in general um <laughs> they've gotten even more popular like i was at new york comic-con this year and there had to have been like five hundred thousand people there it was oh it was wild like, like there were so many people there could barely move and i wasn't even going to like the popular parts of the convention i was lurking sort of toward the uh a couple of the games and, and also the anime section but i i, I think that that's also the place where you would get things like that. Let me switch you then to another thing you wanted to talk about that I know uh, I know I want to hear about. So you were talking about like what it's like at these conventions for 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 like the creators and for for the marketers. I mean, you basically get to see like behind the curtain a little bit like that um, at PAX East or PAX and and at, and at uh, I'm sure any number of other conventions. Um, What's that like? I mean, what, what's that sort of meeting of the minds like? You kind of alluded to it earlier, but uh, I'd love to hear some more thoughts on that. Oh, oh yeah, I, I have tales from this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, every gaming publisher and every convention is really different. Uh, and, 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 and they're all very different in ways that you would expect them to be different. So I, got, I get <laughs> to go to every single E3 conference the past two years. Uh, I've wow. gotten to go to every single showcase, which has been freaking amazing. Yeah, that's uh, pretty awesome. Xbox every year starts super late and rushed. Uh, this year, this is the security for an Xbox convention at E3 or an Xbox conference at E3. We were lined up basically around this building. We had to do like a lap around this building for, for no real reason. We all had passes. We had to take our bags open the bags up, put them over a taped blue line, and this guy just walked two dogs up and down the line <laughs> one time, and that was a security. The dogs didn't even wow. sniff the bags. The dogs just walked up and down the line. Were they gun-sniffing dogs? Like, I, I metal sniff? That's, that's a terrible security. <laughs> that's Microsoft. Camera sniffing that, dogs? Oh, my God. That's Microsoft. And then, I mean, for all of the... Actually, both years for Microsoft, I sat in the very top, so you're able to see the actual um, uh, what's the word teleprompter, and mm-hmm. it, it's kind of funny because a lot of these games have code names, and so right before they announce the actual title of the game, you see what the code name is, uh, which is always always a little bit exciting. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Always a little bit exciting. Uh, place Sony is always top of the line. They have the most like theatrical. Uh, conventions um well yeah there were the, i remember the death stranding uh i watched the death stranding trailer which is really like the only thing i've streamed from a conference they brought, in ages but that was so theatrical the way they was that. was that the one where they dropped all of the uh, skeletons from the sky because that so. happened at one of them they dropped like all these skeletons from the sky there was one where they had this huge like for God of War, when they announced God of War a couple of years ago, they had this like, mm-hmm. huge orchestra playing and they had these oh, actors wow. on stage like portraying Kratos. And you don't actually see it in the when you're watching it at home. But they have this entire stage show that's happening during some of these uh, some of these things. And wow. yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, ugh, it was a different zombie game. It wasn't State of Decay. It was... It was it actually looked really good. It might have been Death Stranding. Uh, well, that's yeah. I don't know. Like Death Stranding is that yeah that new Kojima game, and they just sort of no, like, it wasn't that one. Ugh, now I'm gonna need to okay. look it up because it's gonna bug right, me. Right. I'll look it up later. <laughs> uh, but it, no, that was it was really cool. And they always have they that's always have sweet. really good food too. They have good food at the Sony one. They do not have food at the Xbox one. But that part of that's because oh. it happens so early in the morning. The Xbox one's always the earliest conference. 
So okay. they don't often do a lot. Uh, Bethesda has really cool conferences. I, I can talk about uh, how two years ago, um, Blink-182 came, and they played oh. a secret show at the end of their conference. <laughs> and that's pretty that cool. was pretty cool and they gave us and we all had like big legs of mutton and we were able to eat them it was pretty dope and then last year they had wow. uh, their bethesda land thing which was like it was like a carnival they set up a carnival and uh i, I posted a bunch of pictures on social media of it but it was pretty cool they had like balloon animal uh vault boys oh nice and uh super good food like a bunch of secret bars and stuff. They had a Ferris wheel. They had um, really, really cool stuff. It was, they, they throw fun conferences. Um, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. And then I actually, I, Nintendo doesn't really do their thing. I mean, I, I sort of stopped by when they're setting some stuff up, but they don't really do too much. Um, mm. but yeah. I mean, those, those convention like E3 is wild. I rec- I'm not a huge convention person, actually, because I hate walking around and waiting in lines. But I don't have to, or I didn't have to for two years. And that made the convention experience, like, all the better. So, Oh, that's blissful. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's like, and, that's, that's beautiful. And it's great because once you meet people, you, like, go to their booths and they'll, like, let you demo their games. Like, I met a bunch of Adult Swim guys. And so at PAX, they just let me demo their Adult Swim games for, like, two hours after the conference. And it was awesome. Whoa. Um, that's sweet. Yeah, and then I don't know, just fun. Like I people in gaming are super nice. Like everyone is just a really nice person and uh, you want to see other people succeed. It's 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 hard. Like I I think that's like that's what we started with and it's it's so neat to come around back to the end of it with that. Like the I don't know, what's so hard for me is like hearing that hearing the the ways that gaming's changing and then hearing that everyone's so nice in it and everything like it feels a little like what people say in academia. Like, don't get me wrong. Academics can be not so nice. Like that, that is certainly true of academics. They have, they have a thorny reputation and it's not undeserved, but um, the, there are a lot of nice people there. And like the industry is changing in such a way that a lot of them aren't succeeding. And like, I remember talking to a, um, I mean me, for instance, I'm not in a tenure track job, but like, um, yeah, I remember talking to a professor of mine, uh, very, a very uh, good friend of mine at when I was at UIC and, and one of my advisors. And um, I was asking her what I should do. Like, I was like, ah, you know, should I stick with 20th century American or should I do something else? And she suggested I do something else. It did. I didn't end up doing it, but like, it was pretty good advice. Actually, I probably shouldn't have taken it. But the, um, you know, she actually, she actually like got. Um, emotional about friends of hers who who weren't succeeding like who were like brilliant people but just couldn't make it on the job market and it's kind of like it's it's a harrowing thing to know so many nice and talented people it's the it's the the sort of like flip side of what we were talking about before surrounding yourself with all these creative people and then seeing them not succeed is like it, it's kind of heartrending it's rough and, and you're right about that because gaming is really cutthroat too i mean I know of games where they didn't sell and like entire departments were just cut. It happens a lot. And that's what makes it hard. Like you want to support every single game. Uh, I, I I try to support as many as I can, but it's, I don't, it's harder to do that when it's a $60 game. And that's really, I think what's going to happen. The future of gaming is I think the price point is going to lower a bit. Oh, interesting. Everyone's predicting it's going to raise. So you say lower. I think it's going to lower a bit, but I think that there's going to be more ongoing content in the games. And you're going to have to pay for that. Interesting. So sort of more of like a season pass. Yeah. I, I think I think that that's where we're going to go. Because especially if you want to make quality first like single player content, which I'm hoping is still going to be important for a lot of uh, people. I hope it is. I mean, it seems like it's still being produced, at least in this next run. Uh, they got the the Bloodborne sequel uh, hinted at, the Death Stranding, like we mentioned before. A lot of the big games are single player, um, at least ostensibly. So hopefully, Kingdom Hearts three. Um, yeah, hopefully, there you go. hopefully, knock on wood, comes out this year. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I just hope that they're able to. Uh, I, I just want the market to continue to grow for it because. I, I just – I can't see with the current 
way that it's trending because we are at sort of a pivot point where a halfway point in terms of people who and how they actually consume things like 18 to 24 consume things completely differently from the older age group. And yeah. it, it's just, I, I really do hope that gaming publishers realize that when you're work, you're fighting against steam now too, because steam has so many good titles and those are the games that really a lot of the YouTubers and a lot of the Twitch streamers are organically saying, I'm hearing this game is cool. I want to stream it. I just hope that they're able to realize to be competitive, got to lower the price a little bit and you can make it up in other ways. I mean, there's so many other things that you can do. I know Assassin's Creed, I think, and unfortunately I'm not totally up to speed, but how how do they handle that boss rush event that they just had? Was that, Oh yeah. I don't know how they handled that, but I'm sure, I'm sure that's something something that I think like in the future, like those are the kind of events that first of all, they're doable. I think that they're doable for a dev team to do. And second of all, like that's the kind of additional content that I think people would pay for. Mm-hmm. If there's more content to no. the game that is actually like a challenge that is tough, those are the kind of things that I would focus on because people people are willing, especially big fans of a franchise. First, you have to have a quality game. Like that's the first step. You're not going to be able to sell stuff that isn't quality like that that's just yeah. step one but step two is people will pay for more things if they're really engaged with the game and they want to know more people want to love your game so I, I really do hope that that's the strategy people use like drop the price point to like 40 I, I would say 40 I know it will never go that low but I would say 40 um, <laughs> but even so just like drop the price point a bit and then offer more opportunities for people to purchase additional content uh, in ways that feel like they're adding on to the game, not Mm. ways that feel like you have to buy this to access the game you already bought. Right. You'll get the battlefront problem. Yeah. And and I think that that was a good learning experience and hopefully a lot of publishers learn from that because of how that I would imagine that was disastrous. yeah, Yeah, that was pretty bad. (laughs) well thank you so much for this this is really cool this is a long time coming for you to be on the show and i'm I'm really happy we're able to do it this way the um like a super interesting conversation i've never talked to anyone about marketing and video games before so this has been like uh ultra educational for me too um thank you uh is there anything that you want to add that you feel like we didn't touch on not really i mean i'm always open to talking about uh this kind of stuff um gaming uh, in general like at Ethan Ham, if ever, anyone ever wants to to chat, uh, really good follow. Good follow at Ethan Ham, H A M M, like John. Uh, uh, Ethan Hammerman, thank you so much for coming on, and 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 we'll have you back for Pyre. Yes, we'll, you'll have to have me back for Pyre because I, I want you to play that and I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, you got it. All right, we'll uh, talk to you soon. All right. <laughs>